Hi, and welcome to Tiny House, South Africa. My name is Garth, and I'll be your host. Tiny House, South Africa is really just about the adventure of myself and my family, Emma, Ella, and Ollie, and our adventures in tiny house living over the last five years. We've built our own tiny house. It is completely off-grid and it's kind of evolving. It's now more a micro-homestead than a tiny house on wheels. Yes, it's still on wheels and yes, we can move it. But we seem to be growing a whole lot of stuff all around us and loving the process. So this podcast is really going to be for anyone who's interested in tiny house living in South Africa or sustainable living, living off-grid, living and growing your own environments, living with small systems wherever you may be, just living a little bit more conscientiously and growing into your environment. If any of that sounds interesting, then yeah, stick around. Um, I'm going to try to do a few updates occasionally and I've got a few guest people coming to have a chat with me and love to record those conversations and be able to share them with you. So yeah, if that sounds good, then stick around and let's get on with the show. This week I've got a friend named Das who is joining me. He is a designer, an architect and also a sustainable liver and we're actually planning on building a micro homestead and we're documenting the whole process. This was a sit down conversation about how we see it and I hope that you will get some value from this conversation. Yeah, thanks a lot and enjoy the show. Cheers. So yeah, cool. Thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah thank you. And uh, I think it's just nice to take uh, everything in my my YouTube I've been talking about. I had this little principle called just one step. Kind of goes with that thousand mile journey begins with just one step, you know. And it's sometimes we can't see that how we get to the destination, and sometimes that's beneficial. But as long as we're always taking a single step towards that process, you know, towards yeah. where we want to head, it's one step closer, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So, and I think really uh, when I was thinking about it today and I was setting up, I was thinking about how when I was about to want to build this, I remember coming to visit you at uh, the Barefoot Palace, yeah? yeah? And coming to have a chat about it. So, yeah, well. yeah so I think it's kind of cool how you've. Come, it's come around to us conversing about yeah. creating something, mm. which will be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. So yeah, so today I was just thinking about having a conversation and the conversation being about, you know, how, I mean, I know we both are living as sustainable as we can in our own ways, you know. Um, I'm kind of got my own power, but I have three sources of power. Solar is a primary, Eskom is a backup, generator is a third. You know, well, so to manage, well, yeah. to manage the batteries and that, yeah. and to get the best longevity out of the power. Uh, water, catching rainwater, uh, grey water systems, 
So all the runoff from inside the house going to banana circles and stuff, but catching enough water. We started off for two years with just two and a half thousand liters. Now we're on seven and a half and we have another two and a half in the back. So we're on 10,000 liters. You know, how much water do people need? <laughs> you know, yeah, and, that, and that's like a thing to think about because you might have your homestead, but how much water is required in that homestead if you wanted to be off-grid, if you had no way to plug in? I know that like a th 250 liters of water is not enough, you know? Dep if you don't have a way to just plug in and fill up a tank every day, you know? Yeah. If you, whereas, yeah, two and a half thousand liters, you might work out at having 50 or 100 liters a day, that means you've got 25 days worth of water. You know, it's just, Thinking which, 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 still isn't, which still isn't enough, really, especially now that we're moving into drought and moving into really a, a fire situation across the world in many ways, right? So water is going to become a thousand times more important than it is right this minute. And to you and I, it's already, you know, we already have to, we already know the weather, we know the patterns, we know when we should be expecting rain. I'm not even sure how many people today of our cultural background are so aware because you don't have to be aware. Sure. Um, so when I was um, uh, speaking to Picky Lombard, who's for, for generations has been the water guy in Plet, he runs, he's a municipal water manager, and he taught me how to divine for water with rods. He still uses that and it works. Okay. So we found a borehole using that technique and then invested money into the hole based on the divination using rods. He tells me that a family of four should have 30,000 liters, 30,000, and that that should take them through any droughts. But that was 10 years ago. But for you and I, 30,000 is, is that's a lot of water. Sure. Now, you getting by in 2,500 is it's pretty legendary. Um, but it's also it's also viable, right? You yeah, made, yeah. More or less. Did you make a plan? Did you have to fill up at all? Once. Once in two years I had to fill up. Yeah. Amazing. We do, we do have now a washing machine, which funny is actually more efficient. <laughs> washing machines are efficient. And washing by hand. Yeah, and dishwasher is actually very efficient. <laughs> yeah. But to keep the wife happy and, you know, it's like efficiency. Hey, that's number one efficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's really just, if I can, one point that comes to, you know, we, I, I feel like this has made me, ha, living like this has made me so grateful. Yeah. Grateful for power, grateful for water, grateful for what I have, okay? Yeah. And great gratitude is becoming quite popular. It's just like <laughs> amazing ingredient to have an amazing life, yeah? yeah? When it rains... I am so grateful. Yeah. I got goosebumps just saying that. Like I have a rainwater gauge and I document every month how much rain. And all of a sudden I'm in I'm part of the system now. The rain is coming. I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm never like, oh, it's a rainy day. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, I'm so grateful. It it's transforms a rainy day. our <laughs> connection with with nature. Yeah. With ourselves. Sure. Yeah. So Biorhythms. yeah, it's 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 whether how the intricacies of that relationship and how it works is um, perhaps that's like a an encyclopedia of information, but it's just simplifying everything. You know, like people are wanting to change okay. from a, a 
in a way like a mechanized kind of lifestyle or a corporate kind of lifestyle. People are looking for change and have this idea that getting tiny or getting off grid is going to be their salvation, you know. But it's like connecting to nature and understanding how systems are working wherever you are on this planet is going to really open the door for you to, uh, to basically access that, that information. You know, you can live in a flat and be catching rainwater as best as you can and filling up a 250-gallon water. And that water can be growing like little, a little garden on your, on your balcony, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Or you could have a mansion on an estate that's already plugged into the grid and everything, but you could have a small solar system that when the ESCOM goes down, you have always got lights. Or your DSTV, no judgment, you know. It's like whatever's yeah. important to you, but it gets you connected with the fact that, oh, those panels actually connect power, give me power, you know. And then yeah. also, you could have a rainwater tank. So if there's a problem with the mains or whatever, you've got that water, or that water can get into your garden. You know, it's just finding ways to build awareness for people so that they start integrating okay. those systems instead of taking this giant leap, which some people, like myself and a lot of other people, like yourself, just were like, okay, I'm out of this way of life into a whole new way of life. But Let's it's figure it out, yeah. But this is a 25-year process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and usually when people just try and make that immediate switch, it tends to have a much harsher repercussion, you know. It's and a, maybe no sustainability. No sustainability. It. A waste of resources, yeah. both financially, mentally, emotionally, yeah. and economically, yeah. because, because you, when you move somewhere, it's a whole new economic paradigm. Yeah, yeah. You know? And the costs associated with moving, and it, people often forget that investment. And moving out of it again, you know. Yeah. It's like a thing, moving right? back to where you came That's from. Right. You know? Yeah, starting again. Sure. Yeah, so I understand where you're going. I fully appreciate it. Okay. And I also see that from what I'm picking up is that these are all tools. These are all um, practical tools for connecting. But, but why are we connecting? So, so gratitude right, is a fundamental key for me personally. The fundamental key to trying to harmonize with everything around me. And we understand that we understand that that we have had to form on many levels, but we've had to connect with let's call it Pachamama, let's call it our mother. Let's call it the earth, let's call it nature, whatever we want it. Why have we had to do that in order for our transformation? And why do we feel that others why do I feel that that is what people are looking for? That is where the healing begins. It's almost like going back to your mother's bosom as an adult and saying, "Thank you, I forgive you. Please forgive me," or whatever. So my question is, what do you? How do we connect that understanding? So, for example, we can say, "Okay, a tiny house is a set of tools for you to." connect with your surroundings and therefore yourself at a deeper level yeah? yeah or you could also get a rain tank in your mansion but why are we doing that yeah i think it is possibly you know people are feeling a, 
great dissatisfaction, it seems, around the globe. People are, you know, there is a high level of anxiety, there's high levels of depression, there's, uh, there's this need, uh, there's this very clear disconnection from each other or oneself, most important, you know. And I think it's, life is very busy. Um, li life is quite, it's, it's never been so wonderful. I, I think actually I'm quite an optimist in where we are at on a big picture. But I think it's uh, easy for me to be an optimist because I work a two-day week. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you and, live here. <laughs> and uh, I have five other days to think about how to make life even more interesting, you know. And so, whereas a lot of people are just working a grind to pay, to pay off something, to pay a rent, you know. And uh, i got to cut that guy again. Okay, cool. Or to pay a rent or to pay somebody else's house off, you know, or to pay for a student loan like until they're 40 years old, yeah. you know. Just get I, I see this, uh, this parallel, like this kind of idea of a tiny house or a micro homesteading or a, uh, I say this very carefully, is like conscious community-based environments is, is really just so that one can free up time and fill life with gratitude, simplify so that your need to uh, costly, the cost to actually sustain oneself comes right down so that there's more time and energy to really nurture and find out what makes people tick, you know, because most people haven't had the time in their lives to, to find out what truly makes them tick. Because when you find that, you know, living is easy. Abundance is easy. Gratitude is easy. When you can't wait to wake up the next day to do what you love. But it's a little bit of a few steps back and a simplifying the process to get the time and the energy to feel it out. And, mm. you know, so, yeah. so I kind of see it working on so many different levels. So the connectivity, uh, the, you know, having smaller systems to work with and definitely systems that one, if one doesn't even understand them 100%, just has an idea of an interest of how they work. Yeah. Um, immediate, it's like a small step, you know, to, you know, just uh, to grounding, you know. So maybe that's a nice word, is grounding. You know, um, we say connection, but also just to feel like, oh, I've got some, I'm important in this system. You know, it's not somebody else out there is controlling it, you know. And I think that's the problem with uh, yeah. municipal living and uh, city living is no one knows where the water comes from. No that's one knows right. how it works. No one knows how the power grid works. Well, this is the you fascinating know? thing that I've always found f through, through this journey is that when one seeks to live off-grid in a tiny house or in any anything at all, if you're off the grid, then the first thing that comes to mind is the sense of empowerment and the question of, well, what is the grid and why do we need it? And so part of this movement, even this tiny house movement or this off-grid movement, is bringing up socio-political change and questions at such a rapid level when people realize why am I paying for you to collect my rubbish 
I don't have any. Or I take it myself somewhere and we recycle it or what have you. Or, yeah, so many questions. So, so at a fundamental level, it is, it's going to, all these questions and decisions ultimately are going to f require governmental change. And so through personal transformation and then choosing to take some of these decisions to become more empowered by collecting your own water or um, dealing with your own waste, just really taking responsibility for every for your actions fully, then we in immediately start to question group consciousness, consciousness and our direction. But it's also happening at such a fascinating time where we can see fundamental shifts. Sure. So it's it's part of it. It's a very fundamental part of it. So people start to take full responsibility. And when we we have these centralized governments, no one takes responsibility. <laughs> and that's why it's gone so pear-shaped. Because no one's said, well, it wasn't me, you know. And, or it was him, and it was four years ago, or whatever. You know, it's just a constant... Um, uh, relinquishment of responsibility. Sure. And the thing is, you can take the responsibility. For, you know, when you're self-reliant or accountable for what it is that you do, yeah. it's an empowerment that no one takes away from you. You know, okay. I've built this space and it's by no means perfect, but it's totally functional. And it I'm is. very happy with it, you yes. know. And be. I will always m make it even better if I can, you yeah, know. Yeah. But the thing is, it's uh, what I did is inside of me. <laughs> even if the house is gone and the systems are gone, or even if I go one day to be more efficient and live in a, a place closer to town, it doesn't matter, you know, it's all inside of me, the, yes. the experience, you know. And so I, I think it's just really this conversation what I is just the beginning of of bringing to light the more intricacies. Uh, and another thing I just want to go on a sideline about is like a lot of the tiny house specifically movement is um, all the great videos and great houses and that. It's a lot in first world countries, you know, yeah. New Zealand, Made America, beautifully. Canada, beautifully, yeah. you know, cost effectively, whatever, you know. But that paradigm is not working here, not where we live. You know, in America, you go buy an old caravan for, uh, go pick it up, go take it away from someone's house. They don't want it anymore, an old trailer. It will be amazing. Yeah, it yeah. will be amazing. Today, it's like, yeah, in South Africa, you want to go buy an old run-down, like someone wants to sell you an old park home. The thing is almost derelict, and they want to sell it to you for 50,000 rand, <laughs> yeah. and you must come and move it. And there's no wheels. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's just like, so, you know, there's this, there, this is a, like, Africa is real. I mean, it's a real pioneer land still, because there's not the social safety net of the government or whatever. Those systems aren't really in place. And I personally am always quite realistic when people are contacting regarding tiny house living or sustainable living. And I try to be very clear and very realistic because I don't want anyone to waste any resource, you know. If person people are really hands-on and ready to, like, deal with their own shit and live in, a very, like, a shell until they can build a cupboard or whatever, then that's totally fine. And there are few peeps that are doing that and happy doing it. Mm -hmm. But I think a majority of people just want to walk out of one environment 
straight into another, you know, and have all the bells and whistles, the plugs and that. And and the, the thing yeah. is, the cost to to living ratio like that is kind of like, uh, you know, you go to caravan parks, like say I, I would be in at Varenwaterberg this last weekend, and you rock up there and there's people with these caravans, and that caravan is a reiteration of their home. They want to park it, plug it in, plug the water connection in, stick up the TV satellite, <laughs> and, and they're and at home. home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and cool, if you want to do that, then actually a caravan is probably the most viable and easily to move around system, and there's many systems in place. So don't try to create a whole new system, just use existing systems. Yeah, that's, and and yeah. then that's much more sustainable, you know. Yeah. But if you really want to live closer to the land or get a bit more grounded or be empowered, you know, then I think what we're kind of interested in imparting information and also in our creation is uh, doing it with those sensible sensibilities, which is like connecting with the earth, being more grounded, being empowered, you know, and uh, whether that's working with a client and helping them in that process of thinking in that way and then bringing that into a product or um, actually creating a blueprint for someone and a manual and a design that's legitimized in some way or form like it's structurally integrity has integrity and it will be but if you want to build it yourself here it is there we go as a kit we chatted about that kind yeah. of thing yeah. but it's more just bringing the experience of living that way yes understood into the product you yes. know, into the into the actual final creation you know well, something else that's come through, I agree, everything you said is absolutely right. And um, what was coming up for me when you were talking is, is, is what I felt when you first got here, when you said to me, when I first got here today. And it's the question of, of, of rooting ourselves in, in, in some place. It's like um, we are a nomadic people. We, we, I mean, uh, uh, animals, uh, you know, we, we are walking species. But things have shifted so much that we're no longer able to do so. So caravans give you that feel. But having both traveled for a long time, I don't haven't met any traveler who doesn't one day want actually to find somewhere to call home. And in many ways, we're looking, we're looking for that home. So a sense of place is so fundamental to reducing anxiety. And when we live in a city, we, we haven't been there for very long you know, as any, as a people, as a, as a species. Um, and living in that environment, in those houses and whatnot, we're not used to that. So it creates anxiety. Being able to live here in touch with nature, being able to see it and taste it, um, and know that this sofa might stay here for a long time, that gives you a sense of peace. And so, with with the tiny house movement, for example, everything that you said speaks to me of a new way forward that that we can start to bring a sense of equality. When we talk about land ownership, it's it's quite a big thing in South Africa about people understanding not to own land. Yeah? Not owning land, you know. That that is something that I can certainly agree with. Um, but there are so many fundamentals to look at that at the moment owning a small parcel is is quite a good idea 
Okay, when I say own it, I really mean caretaking it with a piece of paper that said that actually you paid a lot of money to somebody to caretake this piece of property and you're going to do some stuff with it. It doesn't mean anything else. Um, because if, we, if you leave here for 10 years, everything will be gone and taken by the land. Okay. So my point is that finding a place and rooting there and starting small so that you can connect with self, so that you give yourself more time and space and energy to look inward, to start to deal with, even just to calm down, even just to relax, and then stop. Because when a house is small, you don't have to go too far. If something breaks, it's right there. It doesn't cost much to fix things because it's only six meters away and so on. So that means that you can be closer to your heart and you can work outwards. Now, I've lived in really big properties many times in my life and, and also tiny places like a teepee and cottage, and, you know, not much bigger than this, you know. Um, and I always err on, err on the side of tiny, actually. Uh, so it's not always my choice, but that's because of my deeper understanding that things need to be close to reduce your stress, to, re to make your life more peaceful. Ultimately, that's what I've understood that I've been looking for, having been a nomad for m all of my life, is to say, I live here now. And to allow that peace in my heart, and then I can work, and I, can't, I can operate from there. So, when we, we can look, talk about community, we can, we can, you know, we can all share land, we can all share resources, but when I look at your plot here, when I've traveled around Europe as well, and I see there's old gardens that are actually ancient gardens, we just don't realize it. Just people have been living there for so long. They've got little plots this size, maybe twice the size, depending on the families. And they've got it so down that they know exactly how much corn to grow. It's going to do them and the chickens for the whole year. And their figs are 100 years old, these trees, and the olives are 500 years old. And everybody knows that they're going to have to go out and help each other pick their crop. Sure. But they all live over there and there. But you don't need that much. Like an acre is a lot of land for one guy, one family. This kind of space here, maybe a little bit larger, okay, if you want to do some other things. If you want to keep animals, we start yeah. commune land again. Yeah. You know, that kind of vibe. Well, I mean, the, the atmosphere and a lot of people, and this is quite a good thing, is a lot of people are like, oh, well, where am I going to put my tiny house? Or where am I going to put my homestead? And I'm like, have you looked at South Africa? Have you looked how much land there is here? <laughs> and with fewer people living on bigger pieces of land, there's always a security risk or whatever. But the problem is people not just wanting to let anyone come live on their land, you know. But if someone rocks up and says, I have a plan. This is my plan. I want to make this micro homestead. I want to manage a piece of land. I manage this piece of land that we lease on yeah. a long-term lease. Yeah. There's a lemon tree there. The owner never put it, doesn't water it. There it is. Gooseberry, low-cot tree. I turned all our shit into fruit tree beds, and now we've got all these beds. Granadillas growing there, hibiscuses over there, gooseberry. You know, it's like if one day we decide to leave here, this will be a little oasis. That's right. You're you know, so the value by your effort. Yeah, so it's, I'm, I'm, I'm 
not only another person on the land, but I'm making the land beautiful and partly taking the cost to maintain a small piece of that land. So it's like you can do that if you just have a clear plan to say to someone, these are my requirements and this is what I can offer. Sure, there may not be the legalities for it right now, you know, because everyone hasn't figured out how to comp be compensated <laughs> and there's too many gray areas. I'm a pioneer, so I'm happy to live in a gray area, whatever the consequence. And I'm a rebel in the sense that I'm going to fight for my rights for what I feel is, um, is needed, you know, because yeah. I feel like it's my human right to have a place to, to be until I give my body back to wherever it goes, you know, and it's... And uh, I'm not hurting anyone, and I'm actually creating and showing systems of how to live. But it's like living on this piece of land, which is three hectares, quite a big piece of land, big management, you know, big yeah, management. People don't realize, you know, right. it's like, Cost. luckily this piece of land's all Thainbos, so yeah. it's very low management, just fire management, you know. But it's like, people don't realize you buy a big piece of land, all of a sudden now you become a land owner yeah. or custodian but it's to maintain like you can throw huge amounts of money at a yeah. piece of land and not Every even year. see and not Just, even see what it does yeah. you know <laughs> so it's like to be conscientious of that those kind of things before people make that giant leap you yeah. know yeah. Um, you, there's a huge garden over there it has to be completely netted not only to protect from the sun but to use the water resource uh, uh, get best value out of the water that's there and then to protect from the birds and the wildlife yeah. that come to forage in the garden yeah, yeah, as yeah, we do yeah. so it's just like bringing practicality you know if you look at tiny house here there's a little garden attached right to tiny house and that didn't work that's been four years of a project trying to work and it doesn't work and now Last week, I create this fence behind you here, pallet fence. Mm. Pallet's a cheap resource. Yeah. While I make the pallet fence, the dog can jump over the first iteration, so I make it a double height. And next minute, I find, oh, it's a perfect place to make a vertical garden. So our yoga yeah, tubs that we use every week can go in there, and we can actually make like a little <laughs> vertical garden. Yeah. So it's in the practical Great. That you find, oh wow, this system might just work perfectly for you. Yeah, you know, that is, that is really very good. <laughs> you know, so it's now it's not it's multifunctional. It's not only a fence to keep our puppies inside. Yeah. You know, it also then becomes a garden. Yeah, and with this eventually, every fence is hey? actually every. I mean, that's that's yeah. something else. But okay. Every fence is an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I hear you. So cool. I mean, I don't want this to be too long. Yeah. No, no, it's good. But one thing I want to say is that. Fundamentally, all the things that you were saying about being able to come and live in this property, you've taken huge responsibility for yourself. Sure. And that's something that, that, that people really need to understand. Prior to embarking in any kind of venture where they think it's going to change them, they need to be truly honest about it. Because if they cannot, if they're not going to fully invest, if they're going to do a half job, or if they're only going to stay for a short time, or if they're, if they're not able to get on with other people and make a plan, no matter how difficult that might be, then they need to make other decisions, right? Sure. Sure. You gotta take you gotta be honest and you gotta take full responsibility for yourself before yeah. you act on these <laughs> things. And and uh, there, there's never been so much information available. 
mm. like to to make clear to decisions but yeah. to get ready i mean i put like i put my soul in through the internet you know and when when it, i needed more localized information i went to the electrician the electrical shop and i was like i'm about to do this yeah. i don't want to shock myself to death and i can't really afford electro electrical and i don't need it signed off but i need to kind of have power could anyone give me some clear insight here ask for help yeah you know I did and the same thing, <laughs> and they told me we can't we can't help you at all. But there was an electrician standing next to me. Yeah. And he told me all I needed to do. Yeah, so it's really just uh, so, there are going to be places where people can't tell you the way. You're going to have to make your own way. Yeah, you know, and have conviction in that way that you've chosen. Yeah, because as a as an empowered, self-reliant human being, we were. It's in our DNA. Long time ago. We walked the lands freely. We feared no darkness. We, you know, we only took what we needed. We we were so part of the cycle of life. We, um, you know, and today we have everything offered to us on a plate, but we're so disconnected from those resources. And it's like when you meet people that are connected to them, they have a whole different vibrational experience, you know. And and I, I think I'm, it's very hard to, offer that up uh, over an internet resource or whatever. But, yeah. but I think it's just uh, providing a really good value, a very good resource for clear information. And uh, I look forward to taking what we're speaking about and uh, giving it our best shot, committing to it and putting it into, like a, into a manifestation of something, a micro-homestead. I like the idea of that, you know, yes. not particularly needing to be on a trailer or anything, but definitely thinking about the sustainability and efficiency of what does a small space need, you know, coolness, warmness, water catchment, solar, geyser, all that practicalities and uh, sim uh, just simpler, uh, creating simple systems, you know. Mm. And, you know, it might work out small, it might work out big, it might have the potential to to be a bigger space as well like this space started off there and now slowly is developing into this you know so it could have a long-term plan you yeah, know yeah. with simple modifications that can go into it so as you can afford to grow into your space grow into your systems wonderful yep. instead of taking on systems that are too big and unsustainable for a single person or a single family you know yep. now it's like oh we're very ready to run multiple slightly bigger systems yep. you know so cool, Dust. Thanks, awesome. thanks for that. I mean, it's uh, really, really nice. I think it, you really, you speak beautifully from the heart, you know. And I think an engaging conversation is kind of, you know, for a lot of people, they might watch this and be like, "Wow, I just want a tiny house." And, you know, definitely, uh, I will, uh, you know, I, I know there are definite <laughs> people out there that are providing that that they'll they'll scratch that itch you have, you know. But I know that there's a lot of people that are thinking and there's a lot of people that are switching on to the fact that um, there's much more to it you know yeah and and there's really you it, it, there's no price the entry level point can be from living in a canvas tent with a small system and a really self-reliance conviction to a, a plot with a beautiful house and an Airbnb connection there's no like it can go it can be for any sector you yeah. know yeah. But it's approaching it in the right way, which I think is important. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's nice that we speak about this and, yes. and see where we can go next. Thank you. Intention right. yeah. and result. Yeah. Right.
Yeah, fantastic. Sweet. I look forward to it, my friend. Nice. Okay, great, thanks. That was our first conversation with Das. Uh, I really feel like it went well. Uh, we're gonna create a lot of content and obviously just build a huge awareness around what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it, who we are, etc., etc. Um, I hope you found value in that. Uh, I do apologize for the chainsaws in the background. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're on a farm, what can I say? But I guess that's it, you use what you have. And so, uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Uh, please find us on Instagram, Tiny House South Africa, uh, YouTube. I have a channel, either my name, Garth Ensley, or also Tiny House South Africa. Uh, I'm going to be making this podcast, and it will be called Tiny House South Africa. So you'll pretty much be able to look up Tiny House South Africa and find out what we're doing. Uh, like I said, if you are interested in building a tiny house, sustainable living, someone to build your tiny house uh, plans, even if you're considering going off grid, if you're just interested in how to simplify your life and and really, you know, for me, sustainability is about efficiency. And sometimes people think it's about living off the land and being green. And I think these terms are just getting washed out at the moment. And you know, it's really about starting where you are with the energy and resources that you have and making that work for you so that you can move towards a space where you have more time to really feel what you require to thrive. And, you know, thriving is relative to every single person on this planet. So some people thrive in a corporate pressurized environment and some people thrive when they're standing inside a barrel of a wave. Like, it, it, there's no rules. You just got to find out for yourself. And what we're trying to do is really just open that conversation to give you things to think about, to help you save energy and efficiency. And sure... Yeah, our next project is to build a micro homestead and it will be for sale. So thank you very much for joining this podcast. Thank you for following our content and we wish you a wonderful week. Uh, Garth signing off and catch you soon. Bye. <laughs>